Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and with me in the Rabbit Hole studio today, he is an acclaimed director from Colombia. His current film is called Overexposed, Mr. Juan Castilla. Welcome, Juan. Well, and thank you, Jason, for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming, man. Uh, I know you didn't come all the way from Columbia. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you came from uptown Manhattan. Yeah, uh, right. But, but we yeah. appreciate people making the schlep to the studio anyway. <laughs> so thanks for being here, man. And, uh, you know, we want to talk about want to talk about overexposed and, yeah. and some more about your body of work. But first, I want to talk to you about you and yeah. kind of get a sense of your history. So how did you uh, come to filmmaking? What is your origin story, so to speak? Well, uh, right uh, from high school in, uh, in Bogota, Colombia, I moved to Los Angeles. Uh, I went to school in L.A. City College, you know. Uh, it was a school that it was uh, with its emphasis in practical. So that's where we learned how to shoot films in Super 8, in uh, 16. And uh, at the same time, I was studying psychology. I was combining both, and from there I started working in productions. But at the same time, I was, I was also working for the psychology department, doing all their videos, and doing a, also a lot of work uh, for the mental clinic at the university. You know. Those two things go together. <laughs> they, they, you know, the reason I, I, I decided... I think every filmmaker is yeah. a therapist, in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah, I know. I, I, that's, that was my, you know, uh, my, my thinking about how by studying uh, psychology, I could uh, build uh, more fully dimensional characters and how I could, uh, you know, learn about behavior, human behavior, and in that way work better with actors, you know. I want to talk to you some more about that. Uh, but first, yeah. l let's talk about Overexposed. Yeah. So uh, this is, I would describe it as an experimental film, uh, an yeah. art film, so to Correct. speak. We don't get a lot of this sort of thing on the show, which is why it's good to talk to you. And I want to talk to you kind of about why that Mm -hmm. type of filmmaking is important right but what would you say the film is about and, and kind of how did it come about in a way like what, what how did it you know what was the kind of idea that sparked everything or is about uh joan she's a rape victim and she undergoes uh overexposure therapy under uh, the tutelage of his uh, best friend that he's a psychiatrist uh, but she has very strong religious beliefs so she has to let go and uh, the mystical uh, to undergo the scientific method, you know. So there goes a battle in between the, sci the science and the mystical, the esoterical. Uh, and, you know, uh, the way this film uh, came about was working at, at, the, at the mental hospital at the university, I learned about cases that people were using overexposure therapy. So what is that? How would you describe yeah, that? Yeah, so, well, people with... Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, uh, they will have a trauma and they wouldn't know how to deal with it, you know. So what our, our exposure does is that it reinforces and makes you relieve the trauma until you become habituated with it, you know. You, you, they make you relieve it again and again until you don't feel anything, you know. A good example is uh, people with agoraphobia, uh, this is a more basic one, where they make people uh, when they have a uh, fear of elevators, you know, so they make them go first just close to the elevator, then one floor, and then they later gradually, on, yeah. they, they get them more and more yeah. used to it. So, so to the same they do with the trauma, you know, they make you go back to the trauma and just go for every detail, you know, about it. And that's uh, where I, I thought how the film, you know, with film, you could really 
go and, and explore these, uh, these therapy, you know, this kind of, you know, because we can go vividly into it, you know, and go every detail. So that's what the film does. We undergo, along with, uh, with Joan, with the character, this therapy, you know, we go into these sessions where we reconstruct the film, you know, we deconstruct it, we put it apart, and then we put it all together, you know, until it all makes sense. So uh, you're kind of using the elements of film to illustrate this type of therapy. This, um, right. Which is interesting because I'd never seen that before. Um, mm -hmm. And there are also, like you mentioned, the characters religious. There's a lot of religious symbol symbolism right. and, yeah. and things like that in there. You made this film in uh, back home, right? You made this in Colombia? Yeah, I, I, sh I shot it in Colombia, but I was living in New York. So what I will do is I will go shoot for uh, five months, for uh, sometimes sorry, for five weeks, three weeks, then I'll come back, prepare this, uh, the, the, the next segment and go back, you know. So this started all the way in 2013 when I wrote it. I did rehearsals uh, with the actors here in New York, the main actors, but I will also have actors in Colombia who so will go and do rehearsals over there and come back. What were some of the challenges of working? Because yeah. it's basically set like, it looks like it's in the middle of nowhere. Like it looks right. like it's in the middle of a jungle yeah. or something. Yeah. So what were kind of some of the challenges that you had to overcome in, in making that? And you said that you would go and shoot for weeks at a time, but how long in total did it take you to make the movie? Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, one of the toughest parts was being consistent with the story, with production, over five years, you know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's where the shooting uh, really, and especially the last year, that's when, you know, you you need to keep your composure and keep working hard at it, you know. So the hardest, you know, what I wanted the same as we, I wanted to work with only two characters to really go deep into them, you know, uh, instead of just having many characters and just uh, deviating from them. So I put them in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. And I also did that with the casting crew. I said, I don't want them to to be thinking about other projects. Like we in New York, you know, actors, they have like five auditions a day, you know, or right. uh, filmmakers or the, the DP has two movies they're shooting. Here, they were completely focused on my film, you know. And the, the beautiful thing about this is that everybody was connected to the film, you know, everybody was, all, we were all in sync with the film, you know. But the challenges were, there were sometimes uh, all of us being enclosed in this small cabin, you know, where we shot the film, we were also there, so. How many people were we talking about in the crew? Normally stuff? it was about from 10 to 18 people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's still that's still a significant uh, amount of people that's crammed into a small space and and keep together for weeks at a time while you're shooting. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The actors in this film they go through a lot. Right. You know, uh, and I don't want to spoil anything because yeah. the, the movie um, surprises you continually. Uh -huh. I managed to watch I managed to watch the whole thing, and uh, <laughs> you know, th there's parts where you're going. I, I was just as a director, I was just going. Yeah, nobody would ever do that that I know. <laughs> Why? How did he get these people to do this? So what was the kind of method and work with the actor? Because you have you have scenes of, uh, you mentioned she's a rape victim. You show right. some of that yeah. in the film, which I think is, is traumatic in, in and of itself. Right. Uh, you have all these different scenes. Uh, people are naked. People are fighting. Right. It's, you know, there's a certain, like, violence to it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, how do you approach that sort of thing when you have those difficult moments? Okay. And how do you know when an actor is kind of game to do that? Yeah. Like, wh what was that process like? I think it's definitely uh, preparing it and, and, and being as clear as possible with the actors, you know, what's going to happen. And, you know, the same as with uh, our spokesman therapy, you know, you take uh, the actor 
by every little detail, you know, knowing, letting them know what's exactly going to happen, you know. So being clear about that, you know, that's, uh, that's the most key. Because you have scenes where there's like a bit of violence, it's sexual, yeah. uh, and all that stuff. Did you choreograph all that stuff? Oh, Did yeah. you have somebody come in and Definitely. choreograph that stuff? So the the first, you know, the the main uh, attack uh, that happens with, with the main actor with Gwen, we had somebody. Uh, it was actually one of uh, her acting coaches from uh, Lee Strasberg, and we went to you know we went to the school and we did all the rehearsals. You know, like what I did. You know, because I, I, I wanted to be in the, in the characters and actors choose as much as possible. He will, you know, the, this guy, like he was the, the acting coach. Uh, he will do the, he does also all the stunts. He will be attacking me, you know. So I will be undergoing the attack to really see how it feels and all that stuff, you know. So I could. So you kind of did everything first. Everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good way to gain trust, yeah. you know, and say, "Hey, I'm not just going to ask you to do no, this stuff. I'm going to ask. I'm going to do it myself." Right. I, I will always be willing to, yeah, jump into any anything that will make them more comfortable, you know. And was yeah. it a long audition process? Did you know these people yeah. beforehand, or uh, uh, Gwen Alberts? I I knew her before, uh, so with with her, that's where the story came about you know that's where she carries the most in the film she, yeah she's the lead and she's really the subject right and she's i think she's in every scene just about in every scene um, yeah. so that's uh yeah so to to get her first is key but yeah. you knew her you had a relationship uh, yeah we knew, we knew each other and uh and we wanted to work together in, in a film you know so i we, we wanted to work in a film about joan of arc and we started to explore the the life of joan of arc when she was born at the stake, you know, when, 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 when she was tortured, we started to investigate how she probably was uh, raped, you know, and that made her uh, change her perception about her being uh, almost like an angel from God, you know. Uh, so we moved that into the, into the film, you know, all, all, all that. Yeah. yeah, there's quite a bit of religious symbolism and, yeah. and things like that. I don't think it's overdone, but yeah. it's certainly there. And yeah. you go, okay, I got it. She's, you know, Catholic or whatever. <laughs> the thing that's curious about this type of, of filmmaking is because you do really, I think you kind of push some boundaries with mm -hmm. films like this. And you yeah. don't see a lot of these movies. Right. They're shocking mm -hmm. in a way. And I, and I, and I would guess that they're meant to be that way. Yeah. You're, you're making a statement with these films. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like there was anything that you were kind of particularly trying to say with this film? And, like, what is the, like, well, here, here's the, the next question would be, like, what is the place for a movie like this? Like, mm -hmm. where does it fit in terms of the, you know, the whole scope of entertainment? And, you know, like, you know, I always ask people, like, who's this movie for? Mm -hmm. kind of thing so like what did you want to say and, and and who do you think who does it speak to like who's the audience for? You know, well there's definitely an, uh, an audience you know uh, not so much in the American market but European and Latin American markets is developing underground filmmaking and, 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 and film critics but I think also everybody should be should watch all types of films you know you watch something from Hollywood action uh, comedy but there's a moment for also watching a film that takes you on the ground you know that really takes you <laughs> into the depths of, of, of evil or goodness you know and 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 these kind of films you know for me not as a filmmaker but as, uh, as an audience uh, they feed m me you know about 
seeing different angles of life, you know, so. Have you screened the film anywhere yet? Not yet. Yeah. Okay. This is, uh, Are you getting feedback uh, from like friends and family and stuff like that? Uh, s yeah. Uh, yeah. They're all mixed, you know, some, some they like it, some they, you know, they, not so much, you know, they, they are a little bit afraid of the subjects, you know, but most people that they like it, they, they really like it because they, they feel that the film goes deep into what it should go do, you know. See, we, we were talking a little bit before, before we started rolling and I feel like with any film like this, especially in the experimental genre or, you know, people call them art films. And, and sometimes you see these films in different places. You see them at, you know, at MoMA or you right. see them in, in different museums and such. And I think there's definitely a, a, a place for them. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely there's a place on the film festival circuit for them because they do have categories for experimental, experimental films right. for people who want to see that. So, And I think it's as, as someone who does not make experimental films or, mm -hmm. or like a lot of our audience that probably don't make this type of movie, yeah. I think it would be, and tell me if you agree, I think it would be important to see this sort of thing because it will help you stretch your sort of more conventional filmmaking. Yeah. Maybe you'll see a technique that you didn't know before or you'll find a way to reach an audience quicker yeah. or you'll 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 have a visual uh, that go you go oh wow that's a great way to show that type of thing yeah. were there particular movies that sort of influenced you in this regard like well, how did you yeah. like cuz it, it's it's you know there's a lot of people they want to they want to make blockbusters they want right. to make you know dramas and comedies and things like that but for you know the experimental filmmakers it's, it's sort of a thing that people go through in in, in film school yeah and then they kind of get over that phase and they say, you know what, I want to make money, you know, so I'm going to make some something more conventional. But what was it for you that said, I'm I'm meant to make this kind of movie? Right. I think uh, no matter what are your goals as a filmmaker, every filmmaker should first do the films that they they really like, you know, that they really feel they, that they have, you know, and and it's almost like just whatever you you you're keeping, you gotta take it out and, and put it out there, you know? And and that's where you develop your, your sense of a filmmaker, you know? Then later, you can go into other genres, you know? But first, I think th those films, they, they have to be done. And if, if it's something that you really like, it's something that you can pursue, you know, and, and keep going on experimental uh, films. And many of the films that I like, you know, they, they have uh, this sense of, um, they are ent entertaining, you know, but they are also experimental, you know. So, Can you give me some examples of uh, what that would be? You know, films like Irreversible. Uh, it's, a, it's a film that I like a lot. And even some more famous ones you can think of. And for this film, there were uh, uh, influence like Memento or Inception. But the following also for Christopher Nolan, uh, The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. Uh, yeah, there's more shorts and uh, and more experimental films, but these are like the most known. Yeah, ones. I, you know, something like a Memento or like Inception or yeah. you know, Following. Following is actually a really good film for for those of you out there who haven't seen Following. It's Christopher Nolan's first film. Right. It took him years to make, no. I think, but um, it's a great little movie, and it's mm -hmm. it's what you can do with a 16 millimeter black and white camera right. <laughs> and uh, window light. He uses a lot of natural yeah. light in that film. It's There's a lot of scenes on like rooftops and stuff, right. and it is pretty experimental. It, it yeah. does uh, have a uh, it does have sort of an edge to it in that right. way. And then from there, he went to Memento, which is mm -hmm. you know a, an experimental way of storytelling where you're not telling your 
you know, linear story. You're jumping around in time. And it's the only reason that movie works. Yeah. Because yeah. I think if you told that movie linearly, it would, it would, be, it would yeah, be boring. Short and boring, yeah. Right, right. But, you know, to add into the, the question uh, about why do we do experimental films is you can see in Christopher Nolan a good example of how now in, in then in newer films that they are now blockbusters, he uses techniques that he used when he was doing experimental films. You know, now he puts characters close to to windows, he uses a lot of inserts, things like he had to do or he did because he liked uh, when he was doing experimental films. Now people think that, it, but the reason is because of what brought him there, you know, so. Well, everybody, first of all, whether you're making, where your goal is to make an experimental movie or not, yeah. I think every filmmaker has to experiment to a Correct. certain, you know, yeah. to a certain degree, yeah. you know, uh, to just to, figure out who you are yeah like find your identity as a creator and like you know and you know it, let's face it this whole process is trial and error man you know Absolutely. like you're either gonna <laughs> you put it out there it works or it doesn't and you try this you know and you know you do it whether it's on the set or in the cutting room i mean how many times do you put a scene together and you go oh that doesn't work right you know and you try it again and sometimes you know, it, you have to really get creative with something. Some well, you look at a filmmaker like Steven Soderbergh. Mm -hmm. uh, look at a film like Out of Sight with uh, yeah, Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. And, yeah, that where he there's this great sequence. I talked, I saw it talked about in a movie about editing where yeah. they had this sort of conventional scene where they have a drink, uh, and yeah. then there's the love scene that happens right afterwards. Such an amazing. But scene. they overlay the dialogue yeah. and intercut the scenes, and it's so much more interesting, so much more powerful than yeah. just going from scene A to scene B kind of yeah. thing. But you don't get that way unless you try things out and experiment, experiment and, yeah. and see what is possible, you know. And that's yeah. what I, I liked about your film is that there was stuff in there. I was Thank like, you. oh, you know, I haven't kind of seen that in a while or I haven't, I haven't seen that portrayed that way. And it, you use certain techniques like montage a lot. Right. Uh, it's almost like a um, – like in some of the more graphic scenes uh, – you do have some master shots, but there's a lot of pieces. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a cubist kind of yeah. way to look at it, you know, seeing things from different perspectives and um, and having you sort of put the whole event together in your head yeah. sort of thing, uh, which I appreciated. Do you also switch from black and white to color at, at some point? There's few, few, uh, a few moments where, but not, you know, like not all the past uh, scenes, I, I switch to black and white, you know. But the, the, let's call it the main scene, the attack scene, it was a scene that as the, as the therapy, as the or exposure therapy, we knew that we had to reconstruct and see it from all eyes, you know. So that scene, actually, we shot it from any angle you can think of, any movement you can think of, everything, you know, from every point of view, it was shot and... And, and and that because that scene it's it's gonna be used a lot you know and at the end it's going to be like the you know the the the, the culminating moment uh, editing that was very difficult you know just I was just gonna ask you about that cause, yeah because you're putting together this montage type scene right. and you have all these different angles and you have to figure out what goes with what it's like uh -huh. it's kind of like uh, putting a puzzle together yeah. in a way. Um, and you know, I would imagine there was a lot of trial and error that w where you said yeah. you put it together, you went, no, nah, nah. you know, well, like, let's try it again. Months, yeah. years, you know. But one thing, uh, you know, as I, I would recommend for filmmakers is many times directors they have uh, assistant editors or editors, and they give the footage to them, 
and sometimes they, they don't they don't really watch everything but what I recommend even even if you have an assistant editor or somebody that's logging for you I will actually recommend I do it to log everything yourself to almost write you know every clip exactly what you see your thoughts you know because that that is going to help you you know if you really write everything in a clip then you're gonna later think about oh here I can use this and that you know everything makes more sense when you write it you know yeah, yeah I'm a big fan of or being organized and editing because yeah. um, I'm an editor myself and when I put things together I'm so yeah. anal about <laughs> making sure that I have everything like all the metadata is in there and I have everything keyworded because it's always that I mean how many times you sat down uh, at you know at the computer you know oh. like where's that shot I, I, I you yeah. know like I don't I don't <laughs> know I know I shot that but where is it now I got to go through all the clips and find it and That's... but but yeah just having that familiarity and then you can kind of like dream about it a little bit right and yeah. and hopefully it kind of culminates together and then you try it out and then you know it works or it doesn't work and then you try it more uh, do you have any other advice for filmmakers Definitely. that want to this kind of, that want to make this type of film or yeah. want to want to try kind of new things? Right, right. especially sh because we were shooting in in a different country, uh, and the the crew was in Colombia. It was an all Colombian crew, uh, and 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 the rest of the cast, except for the the two main, were also in Colombia. So the way I would communicate with them, the most key is how communication and how. What I did is I created a, a master screenplay where from day one, I, I wrote it with every little detail. You know, I will put all the departments, I, I will underline with a color for every department, but I will just add everything, you know, and I will have, have everybody from the cast and crew be able to access this document. And this will keep us all communicated, all with checklists, you know, and something that is accessible, not something that only the DP is going to be able to see, but anybody can access from any computer, you know. So in that way, we knew that we were all in the same page, you know. I think keeping something like that from day one until I have it until now, until post-production, makes the, the film cohesive, you know, and not, you know, lacking communication. or Yeah, because yeah. a lot of times these things get broken down. Yeah. Uh, and you do have to break down the script in order to figure out right. how you're going to make it, but... Uh, Francis Ford Coppola actually did that. Um, I saw behind the scenes of one of his films where he put this thing together called The Score, uh -huh. where he had everything and he actually had an actor narrate it and do the different parts yeah, and stuff. So they had cool. like an audio recording of it. And then they, as they shot, they would kind of gradually drop it in there. Yeah. Uh, and he had, um, he would also do like a, like a lookbook for it, like an inspiration uh -huh. book, yeah. different paintings he wanted to oh, uh, emulate and things like uh -huh. that. Uh, which you know, I think you know, when you're trying to make a vision for a movie, especially if it's not something conventional, that inspiration and that guide to say, "Hey, this is what the movie's going to look like. This is what the movie's going to feel like." Uh, it also helps you sell it to people who might yeah. want to work on it. Or yeah, you can use it for even until now for advertising. Having uh, yeah, like paintings. Uh, also, when when I did all the rehearsals uh, with the main two actors, I was also taking photos or of, of the shots that I want. So I was already framing uh, the, the whole scene, so I will give that to the DP, and then when we were gonna shoot, then we had it 
already, you know, because we also had to shoot a lot every day. You had like a you didn't uh, storyboard with uh, you know pencil and paper, but you had shots, shots, sort of yeah. like a, a photo storyboard right. that you could use. That's great. I use that all, all the time yeah. myself, and yeah. especially if you have you know, especially if you're working, with, you know, even if you just have your cell phone or something, mm-hmm. you can say, hey, you know, this is kind of what you know, because you when you approach things with a DP. Like you have an idea for what is a close up, and they yeah. have an idea yeah, for right. what is a close yeah. up, <laughs> and you have to kind of communicate. No, this is my close up. This is, when I say close up, this is what I want. And this is what a medium close up is. This is what the wide shot is, and you get like a, a sense of that visual language between mm-hmm. the two of you, so that you yeah. can, by the time you get to shoot, you know, when you're through pre production, it's just like it's shorthand. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to you don't have to debate anymore, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think being as, as specific as possible in this in this master script, you know, with every little detail for everybody, you know, it really it really helps. Yeah. And we're gonna wrap up in a mm-hmm. second, but uh, as far as the film uh, is now in mm-hmm. terms of distribution, you guys are gonna do the festival circuit with it. Yeah. Have you uh, you've been applying, but you haven't shown anywhere as of yet? Not as yet. Okay, yeah. so hopefully by the time this thing runs, you'll have some uh, updates for us. But uh, for Thank people you. who want to know more and find the film, like watch the trailer or something like that, where can they find you on yeah. the web? So they can go to Cinema Union, Cinema Union dash uh, Cinema Union dash dot com, or Cinema dash Union dot com, and then uh, in Instagram it's uh, overexposed. But it's uh, O dot B dot. So basically a dot in between all of them. Okay. So maybe that's going to be a bit uh, complicated. But uh, in cinema-union.com, they can find everything. Yeah. Cinema-union.com. Yeah. I'm going to wrap up. But thanks so much for coming. And thank you, uh, yeah. thank you all out there for uh, taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more episodes of this show, you can always find them on our website, noresttheweekendpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on all the major podcast channels if you prefer to listen. And uh, now we're on Patreon, so you can find us on patreon.com slash no rest for the weekend. Once again, want to give a quick shout out and a thank you to Juan Castilla. Thanks thank so you. much for dropping by. And for Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.